Welcome to the Rocket Files, coaching uncut. Welcome back to Rocket Files after round 14 here at the Rising Sun Hotel in Richmond. Brought to you today by Bell and Barnett Suits and the great Nutterwadding Jeep to get yourself a Jeep. Um, unfortunately, Mark, uh, for the next three weeks there won't be any Rocket Files. We're both of us separately have got um, overseas sojourns. You're off to Bali and I am off to Italy. My wife's son is getting married and uh, marrying a young Italian girl. So we're uh, not next week, the week after we're away for a couple of weeks. So um, we'll you know, be back in um, three weeks' time. Sounds interesting, Rocket. In Tuscany somewhere or? No, Milan. Right, okay. Milan Very much a... your style. And you're in all the, the <laughs> a bit of class, you reckon, Mark. But you might want to just uh, keep an eye on Wendy's uh, credit card there, Rodney. But it should be a great trip. Yeah, I'm off to Bali on a bit of a study tour. So You're studying what? Studying the local Probably uh, Bintang, fauna? watch a little bit of footy. There'll be no doubt <laughs> right. some footy fans there as well. And be footy fans pretty happy all around the Collingwood area at the moment, Rodney. I mean, they're they're sort of ticking along pretty yeah, well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it was a scrappy win yesterday. Obviously, um, Carlton um, closed the game up. Didn't want to get blown out of the park like they um, were the week before. So they played a defensive game. Collingwood still win by two goals, eight. So they've had ten more scoring shots. And I heard Nathan Buckley say about the chemistry of the team. So it probably didn't play extremely well, but they got the job done. So if you're, if you're a coach or a supporter in that, in that um, situation, I think you'd be pleased. You win ugly. They're the bottom team, but just get the four points. You're not going to remember back at the end of the season what you did in round 14. Their efforts been, and, and just the performance has been very steady. Apart from maybe round one was a bit of a shocker. Round two probably could have beaten GWS. And since then, it's a I, flat I think, line of pretty good form. No, Yeah, they have. And I think even go back to last year where they criticised a bit, they were one team that never got blown out off the park. They were a really competitive side. So they, so they give you value for money with their effort. They've obviously played a bit, playing a bit more in an expansive game now. They've got some terrific runners, and I think that's the difference between them and a lot of other teams: is their ability to run their high backs, their high forwards, and their midfield and their wingers. They can, they really cover the territory uh, really quickly. But they've got big tanks, and they're, and they're class players. Trelaw, side bottom. We know Penderbury's a star. Uh, Phillips is becoming a really good player. Dugowie's becoming a good player. So that that blend of speed and aerobic capacity. I think it's a thing that's going to hurt some other sides. And Trelaw went down, he was sort of wriggling on the boundary under the press box there, and we thought, gee, that's uh, an Eastern Wood type hamstring. Yeah, it did look like that, didn't it? It, it looked like he was doing, it was doing the worm dance, yeah. wasn't he? Was, um, but, uh, it looked like the Bulldogs in Hong Kong, that worm dance, whoever that was. Oh, yeah, me, I wasn't part of that, uh, stay out of that one, Mark. Um, but uh, yeah, it looked bad, but if, it's, if it is bad, cramp it in both hamstrings at the same time. And I've seen players. It's, it, it's very rare, but I've seen players without cramp in both hamstrings and it can be quite painful. So, But you'd think, um, yeah, you'd think, Rodney, as a former head of footy at Collingwood, that uh, he'd have a scan on that, though. There may oh, be no something. Doubt. No doubt he'll scan because you want to make sure there's no damage. So. Yeah. I, I think he'd have to be doubtful for this week. I, they're travelling to the Gold Coast. Do they take any risks? Probably not. He's a quality player. So, uh, But if, he's, um, if there's no damage there and he recovers well, well he'll be OK. And a big game obviously coming up this week, Essendon, North Melbourne. This is a real chance for Essendon now. I mean, they've, they've won four of their last five. They were pretty impressive. Uh, they were, especially the first half. Um, they took the game on. My boy Adam Saad played extremely well, set the game alight. And then they've got McKenna, Tip and Woody, uh, Fantasia. They've got some really good speed. Um, and I th it was pleasing to see that they were able to take the game on. They only scored 74 for the game, so they didn't score a lot after half time. And, and dried up from, but they did defend really well. Um, I think they were allowed to by West Coast of a degree because 
West Coast played a really safe game. They were in the corridor, they went boundary side all the time and just bombed the ball. And their kicking was uh, set shots by West Coast. It was just horrible. They yeah, probably missed seven or eight shots. Yeah. They yeah. looked like getting back into the game, but just couldn't kick yeah, it through the big sticks. That. Yeah, no, that's right. So I think they had their opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see how West Coast cope without Darling and Kennedy going forward. But your point on Essendon, that I don't think they'll make the finals. I don't think those teams on 24, uh, which is them, Adelaide, uh, Fremo, won't make the finals. You're probably going to need uh, 13. 14, I reckon. Yeah, 13 almost. and a half. And a good percentage, and their percentage is not great. So, but they can finish the season in a blaze of glory. Um, they could really challenge some teams. But the issue for them now is this consistency. They've got a, you know, it's a big test against the Kangas. Kangas uh, didn't play exceptionally well the other night, but uh, uh, it's a chance for um, chance for the Bombers to show their wares. Yeah, I reckon they're looking all right. But uh, the Kangas, I think, you're probably underplaying a little bit. They got the job done, and uh, you know they've been consistent as well, Roddy. And credit to them. You know, good sides win in the last yeah. 30 or 40 yeah. seconds. I think it was like Collingwood. I think they'd, they're just happy with the win. They'll take that away. Got the four points. Take some learnings out of it. I think um, the Bulldogs set up really well. I think they manned up that loose... The North like to have a loose player, like loose defender. They manned up Tarrant, so they couldn't get the drive out of their back half. So I think the Bulldogs did a bit, and they flooded Brown. I think to Brown's credit, he still kicked five. But the Bulldogs would be really pleased with that. Now, they should have won. They deserve to win. Adam showed a, a lot. Norton showed a bit, which they've struggled for tools. So I think from that aspect, they'll be, they'll be pleased with that. that. The last couple of minutes, obviously, Luke wasn't really happy with the last uh, couple of minutes. Um, and there's probably a lot of the structure stuff that they didn't do right. But I think it's a really good sign for the Bulldogs. Uh, they've got a lot of players out and quality players out to do what they did the other night. No, no, it's a real plus. Down in your homeland of Tassie, Rodney, I reckon that we've talked about a lot of bad games of footy. That one, that might be the worst game I've ever seen. Yeah, I didn't see it, so fortunately, from what <laughs> people have told me. But um, the, the goal kicking was bad, the intensity yeah. was bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Suns have obviously made some major So you think change. Hawthorne dropped down, to, dropped down to the level, they dropped their intensity? Yeah, I think so. Well, the Suns started really well. They, they got out of the blocks with two, three goals up, and then after that it was just a... He didn't score for second and third Nobody quarter. Nobody could score. Yeah. Missed shots. I think it gets windy down there. It, it, I was going to say, it is windy in Launceston and uh, tends to, especially at the left hand of screen, it's very difficult to score goals. Um, and that's what I took out of it by, by not having watched the game, but certainly the number of points that both teams kicked. But 53-point win, it's a, it's a big win, even if they didn't play well, Hawthorne. Uh, it's a good test from this week. Um, obviously, Jeremy Cameron will be out. They play GWS. You think he'll miss? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, I reckon. Um, but uh, Burgoyne's out, and obviously Cyril's not back, so that'll, that might even the ledger a little bit. So, um, you know, GWS have got a really difficult run now the next month. So, But Hawthorne, they're, they're in the mix, and they, now they need to win this week. Just as a coach, Rodney, if you were in Leon Cameron's shoes on the weekend and you asked about Jeremy Cameron, what, how would you have answered that question? Well, you don't want to throw your player under the bus. But he did defend him pretty strongly as a ball player. Yeah, I think Leon answered it really well. Yep. I, thought he, I thought he coped really well that he's a ball player. Uh, the fact that Leon's saying, well, I can't comment too much on it means that he's guilty, because if he wasn't guilty, he'd be... And he knows he's guilty, he's just hopefully they can minimise the damage. So the minimum we'll get is four. If they, if they get away, if they get four, they'll be happy with that and move on. Let's go back to school. Let's delve into the mind of the coaches now. Rodney, an interesting one. Saturday night, obviously, the Bulldogs got rolled in the last... With, well, with 20 seconds left on the clock, and uh, there's a journo's in the rooms, uh, and one journo, obviously Tom Morris has tweeted out that Bevo was pretty loud, you know, one of the all-time sprays, and the journo's are in the rooms, and uh, Bevo's behind closed doors. 
What's the policy in there? Is it a, a, a privilege to be there? Number one, as a journo, do you believe, and perhaps sometimes if you're hearing a spray behind the doors, you don't report that just to, so yeah. you can get in next time? Oh, I, th I certainly agree with that. It used to be the rule that they didn't come in for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, so obviously they, they down that corridor already had their walking from the press room so they've walked past the um, coaches' room. No, I reckon that's I reckon it's privileged ground. I, I don't think you should report anything that's not been spoken to you. I think it's out of school, to be honest. But my information was that he did raise his voice, but he didn't peel paint off the walls, and it was more instructional, it was more educational. And at the time, as a coach, you can raise your voice, but it's not having a go at anyone. Um, and sometimes I think the media jump on that too much. And in the old days, they have a look at David Parkin, who was very enthusiastic and passionate and the way he demonstrative but it was a positive but that today would be viewed as he's given him a spray like you know he doesn't give him a spray and what I heard that Luke didn't give a spray he raised his voice and maybe a bit disappointed at stage in his talk so for, for Tom to do that and maybe hasn't got the total facts I, th I think it's poor form I think it's an invasion of privacy and you can see why clubs now don't want media to get in until they let them in now, there's a rule they can get in at any time. So I think they've got to know their, their place. And I, I saw Tom ask a question in the press conference after the game, and, and I thought it was out of line, to be honest. You think they might have to soundproof the rooms down there, Rodney? Oh, I think just don't let the media in until there's 10 minutes after the game. And just shut the door. Just be bad luck, I'm not champs. sure about that, Rocket. Oh, hey, well, the media, the Channel 7 put in... Uh, yeah, that's right. That's what I think. Or they so go to a certain area. Broadcasters, or maybe, definitely, or herd them into a pig pen or something, you think, or a pen well, down Well, on the far end, I, I think uh, maybe, yeah. I, I, I just think that, that that wasn't called for what Tom to be able to report on that. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Have you you've given some big sprays behind the closed doors yourself? Every now and then. Yeah. Mark, maybe once every 10 weeks. Do you think it works, though, or is it better to pick your mark? I think you've got to pick your mark. But we're not talking about a spray here with Luke. I think there's different things. You can raise your voice, but it's for an effect. And sometimes raising your voice allows you then to lower your voice, which has a bigger effect. So you've got to set that scene. So you think about that, um, how you get the message across. Um, giving them a spray as such, it, yeah, it works. It has an effect. But you don't want to do too many because it's like anything. You don't want to be talking analytically and talking about stats all the time because they go to sleep. It's the same thing. If you do this, the same method the whole time, it doesn't work. So you need to change it up. How hard is it to walk off with sort of and get some key points ready to go with the players after a loss like that? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's obviously an emotional state, I suppose, and disappointment state. But I think Luke what I've heard, did show the final two minutes of the game. It's, it's, it's raw, but it's a good time to do it. Then you could probably do it again on Monday and go through it. But it depends on the message you get across and players. I heard it was more instructional and educational, so I, I think that's a positive. Uh, interesting with West Coast and Melbourne, you've sort of the opinion that there was a bit of sameness about what they went about. It was almost they were pre-programmed. Uh, yeah, I think Melbourne dominated the inside 50s the first half and the game was three or four points difference. The inside 50s in the last half, I think Melbourne won by two or three. They still won them. But Port getting more service inside 50 with their talented forward line were able to score, and they got in different ways. Where Melbourne, and West Coast a little bit different, but Melbourne tended to bomb the ball. I think McDonald looked dangerous. Uh, Hogan didn't. And then you go to the West Coast, every time they got the ball, they went boundary side and then they kicked it long. So they obviously had a plan going in, but didn't alter that plan or 
there were a lot of short passes on for both sides and they never took them. Interesting that the theory on coaching the modern generation, younger players, that they don't process information like they have in the past. And I think this is a very general statement, but a, um, a deep one is that I think with the modern era of technology, with Google, Google Maps and answers, they don't problem solve. So everything's laid out for a solution. The solution base is, is there from everywhere. So they don't have to think about how they can get from A to C or how... It's the Siri generation. Yeah, that's right, very much so. So when you're coaching, you're coaching layers. You say, oh, this is our foundation. This is what we, this is A and this is B. Then we add a layer upon layer. When they get to C, they forget about B and A. They go, and that's what it looked like the other night, that, okay, we'll, no, we'll go long. And they, players would just program themselves and, or program by the coach, but they continued on. And I would have sure that both coaches would have said, if there's the best option on, you've got to be able to take that, whether it's on an angle or whether it's a short pass inside 50, you bear and vary it up a bit. Uh, but players sometimes don't process that. It's like the last thing I've said, and that was probably the most frustrating thing, of, not frustrating, but they're very coachable and try and do the right thing, but not being able to have multiple uh, options in their, in their mind. You have a look at Robbie Gray, he, he can do that naturally. Maybe you should give everyone a Melway or something, Rodney, just to go back to <laughs> the basic. Yeah, yeah. No, you'd no, still you're... use a Melway, would yeah. you? Yeah, but again, it, my point probably as coach, you've got to change your way of education. You've got to change your way of teaching. You've got to be able to not assume that they've learnt one thing and then you go on to the next thing that they'll remember the, the previous thing. So it's picking the best option. So it's in ball movement. Yeah. So we've got to keep going over and over and over and, and be able to try and generate some problem solving in their mind that they can think for themselves and generate best option for But them. Adam Simpson was almost coaching as if Kennedy was still there. It was a game plan, long bombs to Kennedy and Darling. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. And it wasn't working. And so, but he able, wasn't there, so you think that they would be looking for hit-ups. No, right? that's right, and they're coming from wide also. They weren't coming through the corridor as much. So, uh, yeah, they needed to change that. So um, I think Hawthorne have been the best to be able to change their game plan and have a different plan from week to week. Um, and I don't think you need to do that all the time, but the same token, there's a, if you just go with one plan that's not working, well, you need to change things. Welcome to the Press Box. Well, Rodney, I saw a guy, uh, this is all about the headlines, and this guy's a headline act, Charlie Kerner. A lot of hype about him, but um, I think it's justified just looking at him. Yeah. He's a perfect modern player. He can mark it overhead, he's mobile, and, you know, good contested grab as yeah. well. Yeah, and, and he's playing some pretty good footy for a young player in a bottom side. Kicks well. Kicks well, uh, took some big catches yesterday. With him and Cripps, they can build a side around them, but they'll need support. You can't expect young lads like that to carry the team and they'll need support, so they need to get some players in. But you can see the future there, but the uh, team's going to be more than two players as well. So, um, But he is uh, five years at 800000 a year. It's a, it's a big earn. And uh, I think to his credit, he's come out and performed the next week. Sometimes players have got the contract and they may be comfortable, but, but his form at the weekend was terrific. But if Murphy and Gibbs were both still there, plus near Kerno, plus... Both Kernos are pretty good players, plus uh, whatever else they've got, Crips, they'd be a lot more competitive. So losing Gibbs has hurt them, hasn't it? Yeah, no doubt. And, and then Simpson's Murphy's injured. And Simpson's not far away. He's playing really good footy, so Doherty's out. So, yeah, they, yeah, it's all if buts, maybes, but they just haven't got the depth. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Yeah, not a lot of if buts and maybes about uh, Cameron. And obviously, we're expecting him to go to the tribunal. In fact, you can take that one to the bank. But when you look at the two boxes, it's either deliberate or um, careless. careless. It's somewhere in between for me. It's the old reckless. 
Yeah, it is a little bit. I think another thing in his favour, I like he'll get weeks. Another thing in his favour, he's made the jump, then he's got pushed. So once you're in the air, it, you, your first action is to put your arms to get your balance a bit. Uh, there's no argument about the elbow. So I think it was just about careless. I think it was more that. It certainly wasn't intentional, but I think uh, his duty of care, um, and they'll look at, and he has caused damage, but the propensity or chance to cause damage, and that'll be the one that Michael Christian will look at, and he's obviously caused a bit of damage. So he'll be, um, do the um, negotiation before. If you plead guilty, we'll give you four weeks. So it'll be a five to sort of to so It's four. sort of preordained now. You walk in and they've said, already had a meeting. Yeah. The prosecutor says, we think it's worth four weeks. Yeah. And then, uh, the prosecutor think we're worth five or six. If you plead guilty, we'll give you four. Yeah. So um, if he got four, I mean, GWS might be happy, but you walk away content, you'd be, you'd, they'd be dirty if he got six. Tribunal do a good job too, really. Um, yeah, they generally do. We've seen some old characters come back in. Moose Henwood, I've seen him regularly down there on the tribunal. It's good to see Richard Loveridge, these sort of blokes. The tribunal's back in vogue. Yes, it is. Well, I think they're taking that early plea out, so they're going to the tribunal a bit. So, yes, after they get that right. The other interesting thing, Rodney, is that the Lions last night put out a press release just to tell the whole world that Taris Andrews, in fact, went home got ill and then had to go to hospital and in fact was still in hospital and not due out until later that night, which is last night. So that's just a little bit uh, more yeah. spice. I mean, they've made sure the whole world knows about that. Oh yeah, exactly. And GWS, you wouldn't be overly thrilled with that. No, you wouldn't. Um, but even if they didn't go public, they, the club has got to put in a medical report on him. So clubs can put that in as light or as heavy as they want to. So they'll, they'll put that in and, and they'll take that into account. So yeah, he, he could easily get five weeks, there's no doubt about that. And what about this trial, a much talked about uh, one we had at Eddie had where Hawthorne had a go at the new rules and then uh, Clarko's mate Chris Fagan had another crack at it too uh, up in Brisbane. And, and Kenny Hinckley and David Kosh aren't too happy saying, well, how about, we've asked for a look too at Channel 7, a look at the video to see how it works and no, no good, no, it's all, Oh, in, yes. the vault, so oh, in the vault, so fully private. And Ken Hinckley would like to have a look as well, just to have, to maybe start preparing. Yeah, I think um, I, I think they've got a reasonable point. The other, the other, put the extension of that is they've trialled. I'm hearing the the Brisbane one, five, four or five different rules, and the Hawthorne one, maybe a couple of different ones. But there's no guarantee any any of the particular ones going to come in. And each club's had a half an hour on it. I, I can't see they're getting an advantage out of it. I can't see they're getting any advantage. We're still going to have. Four months, isn't he, over summer to get it right, Kenny? If, yeah, if they right. change it in oh, October. Oh, that's right. They'll change it in October. They'll let them know. They'll probably leak it out before to them anyway. Then they've got a chance to trial it. Then Hawthorne aren't going to trial it anymore because they don't know which one's coming in. Um, yeah. I don't think it's an enormous advantage at all to Hawthorne or Brisbane. Four months, if you can't, what are the rules going to be or the changes going to be, you can't get that down pat within that period of time. Well, and you're not worth your salt. So I, I don't think they've got an advantage, to be honest. Um, I found it strange that the AFL won't release any vision of it, but maybe that's the teams, the clubs have said, well, we're helping you, and it's our training session, uh, that we don't want anyone to see what we do. So, yeah, um, it should be released so we can all have be, a look. Should, it should be compartmentalised, where they do their normal training, OK, we're going to try the rule now, OK, there's a five-minute segment about what the rule, how it, how it or an edited version of it. Yeah, it should be. I'm a bit concerned, Rodney, though, that we're making too much change here. It's almost like Frankenstein. You could create a monster. Well, it's interesting about that. I, I, I got no problem in trialling it, but you hear that. In fact, if they do th two or three changes, that's going to exacerbate. I, I, I'm all for change. I think they need to do something, but 
you don't want to make it that it becomes an open game of footy and becomes like AFLX either. Um, you know, you want the contest and you want to be able to defend, but you just want to take the congestion out. So the, again, we keep talking about the unintended consequences and one rule by itself, there might be an unintended consequence, so you've got to be careful. But if it's, that's joined in with another rule, how that's going to play out and how the coaches are going to manipulate that, they've really got to be really mindful. What's it going to mean just finally for community footy, Rodney? I mean, you're coaching a ball. And does it mean next year you're going to have a 25-metre goal square? You're going to be coaching all these different rules and you've got country coaches have to adapt? Is yeah. it just an AFL thing? Because it, it flows right down. It does. You have uh, to play the same that brand. That 25-metre goal square thing couldn't work at, at community footy because the grounds are too small. Someone's going to kick a torp into the it, goal square. It, at the nearly, yeah, that's right. And it's, it's not the spirit of the game. So they'd have to... I would think whenever the rules come in that the local leagues would have to look at or AFL Vic would have to look at because I still don't think the one from at, at AFL level, the 25-metre goal square is going to work because if you've got a Dustin Fletcher and you kick it and you can get it in over the centre near the Ford 50, that's an enormous advantage. Yeah, I really worry about that one. Because the unintended consequence of that is, it's a what if, doesn't say to work, will coaches then not have as many shots at goal because we cannot yeah. afford to kick a point? Yeah. So it's more about getting a boundary throw in. It's more about making sure the shots from the corridor. So we, therefore we don't go for the goals. We don't, we're not playing for that. Therefore, the unintended consequence is that it's more general play and there's no scores. A lot of stoppages in forward and back pockets, which yeah. is happening already. And, and that's what Mitch Wallace was trying to do Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, he just yeah, floated to generate that. So you just got just to think it through each one. I, I personally, and I'm all for the, for the starting points, but I, I'd probably take it subtly initially, like the... Uh, Ball up some boundary throw-ins, do it within six seconds. Don't worry about it for the ruckman. Uh, don't have to nominate. If there's third man goes up, pay a free kick. Bring the boundary umpire in five to six metres so the boundary throw-in is actually closer to the corridor. There's no chance of repeat or not as much chance for repeat stoppage. Maybe a bit tighter on holding the balls rule. Just try, just do that. So it's a subtle change. And if that doesn't work, bring in the bring in the starting points, and that's that's the main one, I think. Well, well Siren's about to come, Rodney, so, uh, yeah, I'm just packing my bags uh, for Bali. Yeah, Make I'll... sure you have a great wedding, Rodney. I'm sure you'll enjoy plenty of vino over there. In yeah, Italy. no worries at all. I, hopefully I do, but I'll come back fit and healthy, Mark. So talk to everyone again in three weeks' time. So thanks to Dan as well, our sound technician here at the Rising Sun, and uh, thanks again to Nutter Wadding Jeep for their support.